You're listening to the Refined Hippie Podcast, a show all about holistic lifestyle, nutrition, and plant-based veganism for a mind-body-spirit approach to living healthfully and happily for ourselves and our planet. Welcome to another episode, my lovely friend. I am your host, Rebecca Henson. I am thrilled that you are joining me on today's episode with a very special guest, someone that I have known about for years, ever since I got into the health and wellness world. I have used his products, and that is Udo Erasmus. Udo is best known for introducing the world to the benefits of healthy oils, being the co-founder of Udo's Choice. You might have seen this line in Whole Foods and other health food stores all around the world. He's the author of several books, including Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill, which has sold over 250,000 copies. Udo has taught at events hosted by Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra, traveled to over 30 countries to conduct thousands of live presentations, media interviews, and staff trainings, impacting over 24 million lives with his message of oils, peace, health, nature, and human nature, which we chat about pretty much all of those things today. We chat about his upbringing as a child of war during World War II, his experience getting poisoned by pesticides, which led him to deep diving into health, nutrition, and discovering the benefits of healthy oils and fats, later designing the machinery to make oils with health in mind, pioneering the flax oil business, which is now a billion-dollar industry. So we chat about all these. We also get into some more philosophical topics, including what he calls thirst for the heart, which is healing the ache inside. We chat about that, about finding your passion, finding peace, meditation, and the benefits of just getting still and finding that peace in the boredom. Of course, we also talk about flax oil. We discuss flax oil versus fish oil, essential fatty acids, EPA, DHA, ALA, deficiencies, all the things. So without further ado, here is my interview with the inspirational Udo Erasmus. Hello, Udo. Hi. How are you? I'm almost as good as you are. <laughs> I know, I'm, I know. And I'm, and I'm fabulous. Well, that's good. That's good. So that means you're a little bit more than fabulous. I, I'm very, I'm definitely doing fabulous today. But we're just going to jump right into it. Um, you have created some amazing oils and supplements that have really changed a lot of people's lives. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. I was in the right place at the right time, asking the right questions, listening the right way. And so I ended up being the spearhead for something that literally involved thousands of people. So this is like, I get, I get the credit because I, I was the spearhead for it. But honestly, nobody does something like that yeah, all by themselves. True. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So how yeah, did but you... Was it, but was it fun? It was amazing. It's, it's like having a purpose for life. Yeah, that's what most people are searching for. <laughs> yeah. How, they, yeah. how did it start? And how it started is I, 
I got married. I mean, I have, I have lots of science background. So I, I came out of the Second World War and I was a refugee kid before I was three, fleeing from the communists, chasing us in tanks and trucks. And the allies were using us refugees on horse-drawn hay wagons, mostly mothers with young children, as target practice. They were shooting at us from planes. And uh, it was pretty intense. And, and it got me thinking about how, do you, how can people live together in harmony? How can they live better together? Because it must be possible. And I'm going to find out how. That's been my driver all my life. How do you, how, how, what can I do so that people live in harmony and aren't going around shooting each other and yelling at each other and being weird? So, and so that came, came out of that. And then I, I wanted to understand how everything works in science and then bioscience and then psych, psychology. And then wanted to know what health is, took a year of medicine. It's only about disease. So I left and went back into biochemistry and genetics. And so I have a pretty good background in, in the sciences. I got married. We had three kids. My marriage broke up. I was really upset. I took a job as a pesticide sprayer and I was super careless. And after three years of spraying, spraying them really carelessly, I got poisoned by the pesticides I sprayed and uh, went to the doctor and asked the doctor, what do you have for pesticide poisoning? She said, nothing. What were, your sim- what were your symptoms? Like what, I, when you I get pesticide poisoning? Nausea, 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 dizziness, cramps, and and low energy like if i i was 38 when that happened and if i walked around a city block i would have to sit down and rest and then the the other one the really crazy symptom was if i turned my head it felt like my head turned but my brain didn't mm. i mean obviously your brain turns when your head turns right. but that's what it felt like <laughs> but it felt it was like a really that. it was a really strange yeah it was oh. a really strange symptom and so because i had the background i and the doctor said, I don't have anything. I decided, well, I got to, I got to figure something out. And so I went into the journals to, to read about health and nutrition, disease and nutrition, water, air, light, because the entire body is made out of food, water, air, and light. And if, if, if you're sick, then what you want to do is you want to change how you eat, how you drink, how you breathe. And rebuild your body because 98% of the atoms in your body today will have been removed and replaced if we meet a year from now. 98% every year, 98% of the body turns over. So that means if you raise your standard for intake of food, water, air, and light, then within one year, you can have rebuilt your body 98% to a higher standard. That's, what's he, that's what healing is. You raise the standard, <laughs> you, build a, you build a better body. And, so, and then I, I got stuck on fats because that was the most confusing area. They're the most sensitive of our nutrients. They are damaged by light, by oxygen, by heat. They need the most care. We give them the least care because we throw them in the frying pan and let it watch them turn into smoke and then breathe in the fumes and eat the, eat the burnt oils. They are, and, they in, and they increase inflammation and cancer when we do that. 
They don't do it if we eat the nuts and seeds that the oils come from. They don't cause problems. And the way the industry makes the oils, they treat them with harsh chemicals and they bleach them and then they go rancid and then they stink and then they have to be deodorized to get rid of the bad smell. And in that process, you get more than a million damaged molecules for every one of your body's 60 trillion cells in just one tablespoon. Most people eat two or three tablespoons and most people fry the oils on top of that. And so more health problems come from damaged oils than any other part of nutrition and more reversals of bad health, of health problems come from changing. I, I say your body needs an oil change, just like your car. You got to get the dirty oils out and you got to bring clean oils in. And so more benefits, health benefits come from making that change than anything else you do in nutrition. And so, so, um, and then also the year after I got poisoned, it was established that omega-3s are essential, which means you can't make them in your body, but you have to have them. So they have to be brought in from outside. If you don't get enough, you can't stay healthy and your health will deteriorate and you will get deficiency symptoms and they are in degenerative in nature and they get worse with time. If you don't get enough long enough, you die. This is like, these are the, the, the essential building blocks for body construction. And if you bring enough back before you die, as you're going down, then all of the problems that come from not getting enough are reversed because life knows how to make a body provided we take responsibility at our mouth that everything that's needed for life to build a body that works is brought in in optimum quantities. 18 minerals, 13 vitamins, eight essential amino acids, and two essential fatty acids are the essential nutrients that have been identified. So I got at, at the head of it just when it was established that they're essential, that 99% don't get enough omega-3s for optimum health, that every cell needs them. I said, okay, first of all, we need to make oils with health in mind. I can't get healthy on dirty oils, on, on damaged oils. And number two, if we could bring back the missing omega-3s, so there's a single most widespread essential nutrient deficiency of our time, we could bring them back made with health in mind. Oh my God, we could help so many people. And I literally, I lit up like a firecracker and I got so excited. This is worth doing this, I got to do it. This is, this is for me. This, I got it. And so I mean, basically it was, the whole thing was built on enthusiasm. We just, we just got so fired up and we had long days and short nights and work, 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 travel, 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 six, six to nine months a, every year for 15 years, 40 countries. And just like, just on fire. And it's really, <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's everybody that longs to find that kind of passion, you know, I mean, seriously. So, I mean, seriously. absolutely. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Because if you don't have a passion, you know, and then it's like, oh, it's just too much work, but there is something. So you have to, you may have to go into your own being in order to just get, to get still inside because your passion is in that stillness. It's already there. 
Our society is so, is so afraid of stillness though, you know? Yeah, but uh, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> no. Okay. So then most of our so listeners then, are not, but it's sad yeah, though. Yeah. In general, our culture is, yeah. you know. Yeah. Because, because it's part of human, human nature. You know, we, we go out into the world through our senses after we're born. We're actually inside when we're, when we're in our mother's womb. But we go out through our senses into the world to get to know it. It's important for survival. And that's automatic. But going back has to be deliberate. And how, so how do you get there? Because there's nothing inside saying, hey, look at me, look at me. There's no change happening inside that will attract your senses automatically. If there's change happening outside, it attracts your, your awareness out, outward through your senses. Right? You hear something, you see something. Oh, what's that? Oh, gee, I wonder what kind of a bird that was, right? So, you, so, so our attention is drawn to change and there's no change inside. So there's nothing to draw it there automatically. So it has to be deliberate. And the, and the thing that gets us close is what I call thirst of the heart, like an un, uncomfortable feeling in our chest. You know, when, it, when somebody dumps us or somebody dies or we lose something that's, that we valued and then we feel it here. There's like a, I've got 10 pages of different names people use it. Yearning, emptiness, restlessness, so many, so many words for it. That's what that is. It's not about what triggered it. It's about something is calling us to bring our awareness back home inside to its source in us in life. And when we bring it there, there's our peace. There we feel unconditional love. There's joy, there's wisdom, there's contentment. There we feel rich because the human experience is an incredibly rich experience if we're present for it. Mm -hmm. How do you and recommend that, people if they're searching for that and they don't know how to get to it? What are your you start, recommendations? You start by sitting with the ache. Mm -hmm. You know, what we don't like that. We, we don't like that ache. So what we do is we either distract ourselves from it. No, let's do this or let's do that. And, you know, or we do big projects and we hope that when we succeed in those projects that we'll feel whole again. But it never happens because the disconnect is inside. So the reconnect also has to be inside. And when we, ha when we have success on the outside, usually we get about three days where we're going, oh, yeah, I did it, I did it, I did it. And then on day four, the restlessness is back. Oh, okay. Now what? Now what? And so we're chasing it on the outside when it has to be found on the inside. And that's, the, that's the big joke about human beings. Right? That's the big joke when I, in, in the 60s, that was my big joke. You know, I laughed and laughed and laughed. Tears were running down my face. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. I was crying. And, and it just struck me as so funny that everything that I had so studiously been looking for in the world was all already present within me. And I'd never looked there. The power is within, is within us. Yeah. Everything's in, everything's in there. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, so if you want you want health, you already it's already there. You want peace, it's already there. But it's just a matter of changing where your focus lands. 
if your focus lands in the core of your being, there is absolutely peace there. And from there, you actually see that peace is everywhere. Right? And, and you feel loved when you go in because life loves your body unconditionally. 24, 7, 365, through thick and through thin. Unconditioned love. So there's a model of unconditioned love and actually you are that life. You're not the body. Because that's why you call it my body. Because you are not the body. That's your possession. That's your, you own it. So, so life owns the body and life is unconditional love. If, you're, if your awareness lands in the energy that is life, that fills the space your body occupies, that you have it. It's already there. It's a state of being. And then the state of being comes to expression automatically. So whatever it is you're focused on, whatever is your, your territory that you, that, you, that you focus your awareness on, that's what you become adept at. Right? Whether that's shooting guns at targets or whether that's driving cars really fast around crooked tracks or whether it's dunking a, a big ball into a little hoop with the, with the net on it, you know, or whether you learn to chop wood because you live in the woods without electricity, right? Whatever it is that you pay attention to and that you, you spend time, time with, that becomes your, your skill set. That's how it is. So the biggest freedom we have is that we can move our awareness around pretty much at will. We're not free in any other way. You know, we can't be birds flying, or flying in the breeze. You know, there's a lot of things we can't do. We can't be men when we're women. <laughs> we can't be women when we're men. You know, we can't be deer. No. Because we're human beings, right? We, we can't be rocks. We can't, we can't go 186,000 miles a second like light does, right? So we don't have, there's a lot of things. We have limitations. We don't have freedom. Yeah, yeah we have yeah. tons of limitations. Yeah. <laughs> but we have freedom to put our awareness wherever we want to put it. And the limit there is that there are some things we don't even know that we could put our awareness. So if you don't know that there's a place to put your awareness, then you don't have the freedom to do that either. But other than that, if you know, if you know, you can literally, and we're so good at, I mean, I can look at that and I can, I would spend half an hour describing what my closet door looks like. You know, I could look over, oh, what the lamp looks like with the, with the reflector light. You know, we can go, we're so good at doing that. But because we hardly ever bring our awareness inward into the space that our body occupies, we don't know that much about it. And all the good stuff is in that space. Everything, everything, all the really, really good stuff that everybody wants is in the space that our body occupies. It's already there. It's a scary, it's a scary thought for a lot of people though, I think, especially like, you know, meditating or, I mean, mm that being like the main thing when, when people find out that you meditate their first response almost all the time is, mm. Oh, I can never, I could never make my thoughts, you know, stop. And I'm like, well, that's not exactly what meditation is. It's not, I mean, if your <laughs> thoughts are completely gone, that means you're dead. <laughs> so it's yeah. about, yeah, it's about being yeah, aware of them. And it, no, it's, it's putting your awareness elsewhere. 
because we are, we're used to following our thoughts, but we don't need to follow our thoughts because our, our brain is the computer that runs that. We don't need to be paying attention. It'll do its job anyway. So, but there are no thoughts in your kneecap. There's no thoughts. There's no thoughts in your breath. There's no thoughts on the feeling of your bum on the chair. Right? So, so all it means is, is moving awareness out of your head. And you can move it anywhere else. There's no, there's no thoughts in the sunshine. There's no thoughts in the ripples on the water. You know, there's no thoughts anywhere except in, in the cortex of your brain. And there is nothing that requires you to be in the cortex of your brain. And there are a lot of better experiences than the experience of, of the cortex of your brain and the thoughts in it. Yeah, and people sometimes say, oh, you know, I can't sit still. You know, I find it boring. That's what people say about sitting still. I find it boring. So I say, say to them, well, fall in love with the boredom and notice how peaceful it is in that boredom. And that's a sign that you're heading in the direction of finding your foundation because peace is your foundation. Peace is your foundation, your foundation. But peace is also the foundation of the universe. And if you're, if you're not in touch with the peace that is your foundation, you're living your life without foundation. No wonder things drive you crazy. No wonder you get agitated. No wonder you start thinking and saying and doing stupid things. No wonder there are stupid consequences for the planet, for the people, and for yourself. You know, so the idea of, you know, when you're in, in your mother's womb, you were there, you were in meditation for nine months if you were a full-term baby, right? Because yeah. there was nothing to that do. That is some intense meditation right there. <laughs> it's very. Yeah. And there, because there was nothing to do, you couldn't find any distractions. There was no place to go. Everything was taken care of. And it was safe, relatively. And you were just hanging out, hanging on this little cord in a, tank, in a tank of water. I call it the Buddha tank. And your awareness was in the light inside. So you were a little Buddha. Oh, and it wasn't cute. until you got born that you oh. lost you, your, your Buddha nature to the wandering of your attention outward. No wonder they come, babies come out crying. <laughs> yeah they're not crying they're not crying inside they're crying when they come out yeah when they come out they're like immediately they're like why uh, yeah please please i want to go back i want to go back it was so cozy yeah. in there and calm and now everybody's screaming and uh. yeah, yeah yeah exactly and then yeah and then you have to learn everything and so your awareness is drawn out and the whole point of meditation is to draw your awareness back in to its source the same as you felt like when you were in your mother's womb. Nothing to do, nowhere to go, nowhere to be, and filled with bliss. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you meditate? Peace. Yeah, I've been doing it for about 50 years. Yeah. Like you do I it every it morning or like do you have like a routine of like when you meditate? Or? I, I do it in the morning because, you know, I have this joke. I say, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I want to check in to see if I'm still there because if I'm not there anymore, there's no point in getting up. You know, but it's... <laughs> But that's my joke, you know, because yeah. your, your mind wanders at night, you wake yeah. up in the morning. I like, to, I like to get present in my space. First thing I do in the morning, 
And then I do what I can to drag that space out with me wherever I go during the day. And I have an amazing life because I don't, you know, I don't flip out about unimportant things. By, yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's no reason why you can't live your life in peace, feel the peace. It's so enriching. It's so whole. It's so beautiful. And it's what everybody's looking for when they're agitated, you know, but then they get close to it and they say, oh, no, I think I need more excitement, <laughs> right? No, no, well, but we want peace because we to, got too much yeah. excitement. It's easier to, right? for them to try to attain the excitement that's quicker, you know. They think that we're it's, you think I, that I would it's say, it's more instant I would gratification. Say, I would say we're addicted yeah. to action and to thinking. And we're not addicted to presence or being or peace, even though being is more important than doing. Because you can be without doing, but you can't do without being. Right? Right. So being is the foundation. We're called human beings, not human doings. But we live like we were human doings. Yeah. I'm trying to get back on my meditation. I just mm. actually finished my yoga teacher training. So I have been meditating more, but I had mm -hmm. definitely fallen off the wagon a little bit there mm -hmm. past year when I probably well, needed more <laughs> than any time. So, so for me, it helps to know that when I get further and further away, this starts to hurt. Because the cure for, the, for heartache is presence. And it's in behind the heartache. So heartache is the starting point and peace is the goal or love is the goal. But it always starts with an uneasiness because, because of our disconnection from ourselves. You know, we, we feel uneasy because we're disconnected. It starts with disconnection that leads to discontent and then that leads to negative feelings that leads to negative thinking that leads to negative talking, that leads to negative actions, and that leads to negative consequences. So much negative. Always back to, but it's always starting. A, a lot of people try to skate around the heartache, around the thirst of the heart. Because it's so they try uncomfortable. To skate yeah. yeah, because it's uncomfortable and we don't like yeah. it. Yeah. But what I say is, listen, this is you, where, where you're at. This is where your core is at. This is where you're at. Something's missing. You lost something. Yeah, you lost your connection to yourself. Sit in that loss and just feel it. And don't judge it. Just be there. Be with it. And it might be intense. And you might even cry a few tears. But just feel it. Because that far behind it, like less than a hair's breadth behind it, is what you're looking for. And it's not out there. It's in here. You can never find out there is in here, in behind that heartache. And you can't skate around the heartache and you can't avoid it and you can't somehow come in the back door. No, you go through the heartache into the heart. You know, it's like through the heart, through the heartache, the empty heart into the fulfilled heart. And it's just a shift of focus. That far, less than a hair's breadth. And the heartache calls you home, come home. Come home, come home, come home. That's all it's saying. But then you don't want to, you know? Yeah. 
<clears throat> but you get used to it. And I don't mind it anymore. At least I'm feeling something. Sometimes yeah, that's you true. can get so into your head, you don't feel anything. Oh, that's so a that's horrible really, feeling. That's I've been really there bad. before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's I've definitely been there. Yeah. Yeah. Years ago. Yeah. So and for me, it's always, I, the reason I do the practice is for a result. And the reason I need the result is because there's a starting point. I don't feel connected. I sit. I drop into the connect. But I always start with not feeling connected. <clears throat> and lucky for us, we have this heartache because when you when you meditate and then you you know that's cool and now it's cool, but then the novelty wears off. And then it's oh geez, do I need to meditate? You know, lucky for us when the further we get away from being present in our life, the more this begins to this begins to hurt. It's just a call home. It's just a call home. If you understand, if we understand that, then it's not hard. Okay. Oh yeah. Right. Time. <laughs> time to sit. Yeah. Time, time to, to be, be still. still. Time to be still. Yeah. 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 Well, it's just like um, it's a different type of symptom. Just as as someone who you know might have a, a disease, some type of health problem that is more uh, maybe rooted in whether, you know, that's bad diet or, I mean, it's all holistic anyways, right? Because the heartache, I mean, being lost um, spiritually can cause disease, you know, in the body as well. So it's kind of, of course, like... Yeah. No, of course, because if, if I'm not content, I'm discontent. And, and when I'm content, I act different and I live different than when I'm discontent. And discontent has consequences, just like con just like contentment has consequences, right? And so, if I'm not if I'm not quiet and breathing, maybe I'm thinking. And if I'm thinking, then I'm probably thinking all the stuff that I keep thinking over and over and over again, stupid thoughts about why I'm not good enough. And you know, I used to at one point after I did university, I used to say, "Why am I screwed up?" You know, I didn't even have an out. The question that makes the assumption I'm screwed up. Maybe I wasn't screwed up at all. But I came up with the idea. And then out of being screwed up, I would then talk like that. And then I would do things like that. And then I would create. We create a lot of our dis-ease by, by the tripping we do, by the head trips we, we create. You know, or I'll be happy when everybody loves me. How's that, right? Well, nobody, there's going to be never a time when everybody loves you. So that means there's never going to be a time when you're happy because you put that condition. Why can't you just be happy because happiness exists within you? Why don't you just, why don't you just go there? <laughs> right? Well, and it's kind because of a funny, you can. funny idea you can. anyways. To, to want everybody to love you. And it's like, well, do you love everyone? Because, or do you well, like you everyone? Need, you know, if, know. You, if, you, if you're thinking like that, it's pretty clear that you don't even love yourself. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right? I mean, crazy. Even there where you have some, where you have control, because you could love yourself. You're not even doing it there. Right? But people do that. And they set up impossible uh, scenarios, impossible conditions that keep them from being whole and being happy and being healthy. And we, in, we imagine a lot of that stuff into being. 
I mean, your thoughts become your reality, you know? Yeah. So and those yeah. negative thoughts, they, they're the most set to the, they set the, the most, direction. Yeah. And the negative thoughts, I forgot there was this, um, they came up with like a figure of how much more, uh, detrimental negative thoughts are. I think it was like seven times or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So like you having yeah, I, a positive thought is, is good for you, but the negative yeah. thought is even that much more detrimental yeah. to you, to your, to your body and your mind. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the one of the stories was that if you want your relationship to work, you gotta you gotta do seven compliments per insult. <laughs> <laughs> and and, like and if that if it goes much lower than that, then you can they can pretty much predict with a ninety ninety plus percent average of whether this relationship is gonna last. Oh wow, does that make sense? That makes sense. Oh, totally makes sense. Yeah. Of course. Why would you why would you choose no. to spend 20 years, 30 years always getting hammered? <laughs> <laughs> right? That sounds terrible. Yeah. Oh. Why why would you want to do that when you can leave? Know. Yeah. Do you enjoy pain? I don't know. <laughs> oh, sometimes some people have ideas about well. No. I should. I, I should. know, I hate so, that. It's that should that should word is a terrible. It's a bad word. Yeah. Yeah. They told us, they eventually told us that we should stop shooting on ourselves. <laughs> Don't shoot on yourself. Yeah. In, in oh, psycholo- it's terrible. In, in psychology. Yeah. I catch Don't myself sh- saying that in my mind. I should do this. I'm like, Don't say that. Don't say yeah. that. <laughs> well, so we, yeah. They, they also told us that uh, what we say we should do are all the things that we don't intend to do. Oh, see, you either do them or you should. (laughs) Well, if you keep saying that you should, you're procrastinating, I guess, probably, right? It's something that you don't want to do. That's why you keep saying, I should do this. Yeah. And then you don't really want to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So now, you know, after saying, okay, I should do that, then you felt, then you feel like you've dealt with it. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You do it. I didn't do it. Well, I I thought about it. I know I should do it. I thought or, about or, it, so that's almost the same thing as me doing it, right? Yeah. Or guilt. Guilt is intentions that you don't really have. Oh, yeah. Terrible <laughs> one. Yeah. Yeah. So did you take, are you, I mean, you said that you've, you've studied in all kinds of, you know, biology, nutrition. So mm-hmm. you studied psychology as well? I have a master's degree in counseling psychology. Alfred Adler University. Yeah. I, I loved, I took psychology one-on-one my freshman yeah. year and I was like, ah, oh. I t- went to a liberal arts and it was basically like every class I took. I was like, ah, oh, I want to study this. I want to study that. I wanted to have like six degrees, but mm-hmm. I didn't have time for that. Well, well, you know, when it comes right down to it, if you like learning everything. Oh, no, so I know. Oh, I mean, that's everything all I do now. Is so is, yeah. I mean, that's how yeah. I feel about nutrition now is nutrition and holistic, you know, lifestyle yeah. medicine is definitely like, that's all the books I read now is. Yeah. Like science books, which well, is so weird because <laughs> I used to hate well, it, reading when I was little. But it's really basic. Yeah. It's really basic. It's foundational, right? Because every day you got to eat. Every day you're thinking stuff. I know. You know? Every I mean, day, the thing about every that Every day is... you got to do something with your body because you have a body for doing things, right? I know. So it makes I sense. I mean, it's, it's funny how people always say, you know, you are what you eat, but but they don't really mean it a lot of times. You know, they say it, but I don't think they're thinking it through of what that really entails mm-hmm. you know yeah you are what you eat yeah well it's not really true 
because when you eat carrots, you don't become a carrot. Well, <laughs> pork, you don't become a pig. Oh, well, right? oh, I don't eat pork, so. <laughs> no, no I, I know, but, I know. but you know, it's it, so. It, well, but, it creates your cells. The, so like your body, like you were saying earlier, like everything. But you your eat, body can't, your body. but your body cannot be made from something you didn't eat. Yeah, right. Right. So everything your body's made of came from food or water or air. So, so it makes sense. It's a, it, it's like, if you, if you, if you're, if you're really sp specific in your definitions, then you say, well, that's not true. But the thought that it carries is that what you eat makes a difference to how your, how your body shows up and how well it, it, it works. Yeah. You can't get around that. And, and there, no one ever has a never, no one ever suffers from a drug deficiency. But they can suffer from suffer from nutrient deficiency, I know. Yeah. and so nutrients should be coming should be the first go to, rather than medicines. You're telling because me food, because food is medicine. I know, right? It absolutely is. Yeah. Sad thing is that you know, the money is not. Well, it's you just follow the money, and that's why, you know, pharmaceuticals are. The uh, the gold yeah. standard, you know. The gold standard, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, standard for where the gold comes from. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about it like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, going back to the omega threes, I I there's a lot of confusion. Well, I, yeah. Well, we were talking about oils, but omega threes in general. Explain to me. Explain to us the difference between the omega-3s out there. You know, there's a lot of people think that fish oil is the best. Oh, flax and fish oil. Flax yeah. and fish oil. Yeah. Let's okay. Talk about that. Well, <clears throat> if, you, if, you're, if you're precise, omega-3 alpha-linolenic acid, which is the omega-3 in flax, is an essential fatty acid. But the omega-3s in fish are not. They are essential fatty acid derivatives, EPA and DHA. Your body can make those if you get enough ALA in your diet. So if you have enough flax oil in your body, you will have enough alpha-linolenic acid for your body to make the fish oil. Every cell in your body has all the genes required to do that. And there's a whole bunch of them. There's like 10, 10 genes to make, to turn alpha-linolenic acid into EPA and into DHA. So you're set up with that. So that means virtually nobody needs to take fish oils. The big issue was the number one essential nutrient deficiency is that we're not getting enough the starting material that you can get from flax but 99% of the population doesn't get enough. So, they, so, so the way we thought about it was, why don't we optimize intake of alpha-linolenic acid and then let the body do what it knows how to do? Because the big issue, the big problem is not getting enough of the essential nutrient. That's what we took on and that's why it works. And you don't need fish oil. I don't use fish oil. I don't eat fish and I don't eat fish oil. And the Hindus, there's like 300 million Hindus in the, in, uh, in the Brahmin caste. They're 
obligate vegetarians. They have never eaten fish, never taken fish oil, not for 5,000 years. So in 5,000 years, there's been a lot, of, a lot of Brahmins. Never had any problem with brain function, never had any problem with vision, and never had any problem with fertility, sperm formation. DHA are really important in those. But the industry has always said, in fact, the, heat, the, the week that we came out with flax oil, which was in 1987, we actually came out with it in 1986, but when it, became, when it became known in the marketplace, the fish oil industry's advertising story changed. They went from saying 30% uh, of the population can't convert enough. That was, that's what they used to say. That means 70% don't need fish oil. <laughs> and the story changed is the body can't convert. Oh my and gosh. Every, and, and everybody needs fish oil. And, and it's not, the science has always been different. The science said women convert very well because when a woman is pregnant, she needs to make, she needs to maintain her brain mm -hmm. and she needs to make a whole new brain in her, in her Buddha tank, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's important for women to be able to convert effectively whatever they get from food because there's omega-3s in green vegetables and there's omega-3s in in, in uh, a small amount in grains and a small amount in beans, lentils, soybeans, a little bit, a little bit in mustard seed and all of those, uh, all of those plants. And algae. And algae. a little bit in, in walnuts. There's a small amount in algae at the bottom of the food chain. Um, there's a little bit in other nuts in around the world, psyllium seed has a little bit in them, kukui nut has a little bit in them. Um, <clears throat> so every tradition in the world has a source of those and they use them medicinally. Um, if you get enough of that, then the body can convert. Men don't convert as quickly as women because they never get pregnant but they still need it for their brain, but you don't need much in your brain. You know, the brain is the organ that has the most DHA. You only need 2.4 to 3.8 milligrams, not even a gram. Like, like this is like a less than a 20th of a gram. So the amount you need is very, very small. The turnover is very small. And then if you don't get enough in your diet, then the body conserves it. So the body has ways of dealing with it, which is why you never find anybody who is DHA deficient and becomes sick from DHA deficiency. No, there is no, there is no consistent symptoms for, for DHA deficiency. So the idea is if you take in a flaxseed or flaxseed oil, or Udo's oil, which is our balanced blend, because flax oil is not very well balanced. It has a lot of omega-3, but very little omega-6, and I became omega-6 deficient on it because it's so unbalanced. That's why, that's why we started making a blend. But if you get enough omega-3s from flax or flaxseed oil or hemp, oh, hemp also has some. Oh, yeah, hemp, yeah. Yeah, hemp mm -hmm. has some omega-3s in it. If you get enough omega-3s, your body can do everything else. And it doesn't just make EPA and DHA out of it. It makes hormones out of it. And it makes 
antioxidants out of it and anti-inflammatories and feel-good molecules called endocannabinoids and improve uh, uh, molecules that improve immune function that are called mericins. And there's so, there's so many things that the body does with these essential fatty acids, but it can't make them. But you only need the essential fatty acid. You don't need the derivatives if you get enough of the starting material. So that's, and then the other thing is the fish oils are very damaged. They're also toxic because, yeah, because all the pesticides and PCBs and dioxins end up in the ocean. Everything goes downhill, ends up in the ocean concentrates up the food chain. So, so uh, it's not even a good place to go to get the source. And in order to clean it up, you have to do a lot of processing and that does damage to the oil. So I, I have never recommended fish oil because I, un, I understood that the issue was not enough starting material. Mm -hmm. Omega-3 starting material. So that's what we focused on. Yeah. Yeah. One of, uh, before, so the reason why I started the refined hippie and my blog and all that was because I went through my own health crisis and was really sick. Um, and the funny thing, it was well, not funny, but before I got really sick, I took large amounts of cod liver oil and cause I had read something that it was good for tooth decay and I had a cavity and, my skin, my back broke out really crazy. And mm. I mean, it wasn't long after that I got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, although there was a lot of stress in my life at that time too, which I think was of course a trigger, but my husband definitely, I mean, we both are, the cod liver oil did not help, <laughs> you know, my situation, I think. So. Yeah, in, in the old days, they, they gave cod liver oil for vitamin A and vitamin D. Because that was hard to get if you're in northern countries. Most people in northern countries are vitamin D deficient in winter because they get it from the sun usually. And so taking vitamin D in winter is very, very helpful. I take about 6,000, 7,000, 7,000 units. It's about 175 micrograms. Small amount has so many functions in the body, including the immune system. And, uh, and we used to take that, get that from cod liver oil. We hated it. Yeah. I, I, eight years. Oh, it's disgusting. Eight years I took oh. it. I liked it one year. I you liked forward, it? <laughs> one year. But the rest of the time, we would fight and I would cry yeah. and my mother would hold my nose shut yeah. so mm. that I'd have to open my mouth to breathe and then she'd stick the spoon in there. <laughs> <laughs> and tasted disgusting, smelled disgusting. Right, and we don't need to do that. We can get vitamin D and vitamin A uh, without dealing with fish oils. And fish is liver, that's a liver oil, and the liver is the detox organ, so anything that's toxic ends up in the liver. I know, I know this and now. I'm like, looking yeah. back, I'm like, why? why did yeah, and, and they're <laughs> highly processed, so they're quite damaged as yeah. well. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. Um, I mean, fish in general. Not everybody's as sensitive as you are because some people eat it and they don't. Yeah. Get, but you're lucky because <laughs> it because it got you off it. Well, that's true. Right? So you're <laughs> I had lucky. to learn the hard way, I suppose. <laughs> canary, the canary in the cold mine. In yeah. The coal mine, I mean, right? yeah, my body was already 
uh, imbalanced for sure. And that just was one yep. of those things that put me over the yeah. edge. So, yeah. yeah. That but probably, fish, uh, yeah. Yeah. That, and now fish is the dirtiest meat on the planet. Have you, do you know about the documentary that just came out, Sea Spiracy? Yeah, I've seen it. You saw it? Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. that was great. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know what? We had a, in, uh, in, in the 60s, a guy had carved as a, a sentence in a log on a beach in West, West, and in letters, like about an inch wide and an inch deep, like pretty big, right? Yeah. It's like this big. And uh, it, was, uh, it, it was their comment on the environment. And, uh, and the sentence said, if you shit in your nest, you will nest in your shit. Like, you know, and I, when I saw that, I said, well, there's the one sentence that sums up every environmental issue. And then the second one would be that I would add now, if you want to fix the environment, do less. Right? Because we, we've seen with COVID, you know, that people got locked down. All of a sudden, the air ab above China got clean, above India got clean. The water is cleaner. The air is cleaner. The flowers have more color. Uh, it's like us doing less. Actually, a really good idea. It's a really good idea. And of course, if you can sit still and get into the, the, how incredible it feels to be alive, then doing less is not a problem. If you're addicted to moving stuff around from here to there and back again, then of course, having to sit still can be difficult. So it takes practice. It takes practice to learn to do less. And there's a, we do a lot of things we don't need to do. A lot of things. And then we end up not doing some of the things we need to do. You know, 8 billion people could live their lives lit up from within because the light is already inside of us all, every one of us, all chosen by life, every one of us, every plant, every bug, every, every tree, every animal, every human being chosen by life to live. And the light is inside of all of us. If we were able, so the light's already within us. It's a matter of looking into it rather than looking away from it. When we do that, we will feel so cared for by life that we don't need more stuff. So we'll stop stealing each other's stuff. When we stop stealing each other's stuff, we can live in harmony. When we live in harmony, making sure that every creature's needs are met on a long-term sustainable basis, it's actually pretty easy to put together. But we have to be thinking in that way. We're not thinking that way. We're not thinking life is the treasure. We're thinking money is the treasure. We're thinking getting more stuff for ourselves is, is the good thing. It's not. It's not, and those people aren't happy. You know, I, there was a guy, he, he, had, he had $9 billion, a guy in Germany, in 2008 when the dot-com bubble crashed. He lost half a billion dollars. He had nine, he lost a half. It's like he had a dollar and he lost five cents. And he was so upset, he jumped in front of a train and killed himself. What? I'm telling you. God. This is true. You can look it up. You can find, I believe it. You. That's find it on Google, right? 
Mm. Money does not get you happy. Happiness is something that is not dependent on money. It's a state of being. It's a state of being that you already have. You want to be happy? Go there. <laughs> right? It's waiting. All you have to do. All you have to do is yeah. It's waiting for you. It's waiting for you. Yeah. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. You, know, you don't earn happiness. Happiness is a state of being. I mean, you there are happinesses you earn. Those are the ones you put conditions on. But there's a a, a state of being that has no condition on it other than you got to bring your awareness in touch with it. That's the condition. Unconditional happiness. Happy for no reason. Happy not because of something. Right? And 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 the people who the people who chase money are no happier than the people who don't have money. When I lived on the beach on west coast of Vancouver Island with no money at all, I was not any less happy than I was in the city. <laughs> Even if I had my my finger on my bank account, <laughs> it's no different. You know, we had a friend that that taught us a course. It was called Money and You. And he said, he said, so who wants to, who wants to know what it feels like to be a millionaire? All the hands go shooting up, right? He says, okay, close your eyes. Close their eyes. Say, okay, now say, I'm a millionaire. So I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. <laughs> I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. So he did that for about five minutes. He said, okay, open your eyes. That's what it feels like to be a millionaire. <laughs> it doesn't feel like anything. <laughs> it doesn't feel like anything. Well, and then it's once the, somebody's a millionaire, then they want to be a, they want to have $10 million or they want to have, you know, it's the, yeah, the carrot's yeah, because, always dangling. Yeah, because, they never get yeah, be, it, you know? Yep. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. because they think that if they have a million dollars, they'll feel okay here again, and they don't. And then they say, well, "Well, I must have been thinking too small." So then they think bigger, and then they do it again, and maybe it takes them years to get there. And then they get the three days, "Yay, I did it!" And this hasn't been fixed. If anything, it feels worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, at yeah. some point they start getting depressed about it. Yeah, right, yeah. let down. It's like hopeless you know oh my god i'm trying so hard to be happy and I, i'm not happy i oh, know yeah you're trying too hard see it all the time <laughs> you're going to you're, you're looking for happiness except where it is in you in you under your nose <laughs> literally right there you've, you've been searching for it but it's <laughs> yeah that's yeah. the joke right that's the big joke yeah you know but beautifully said been look, looking for everything out there and it's like if I, I remember thinking at one point, it, if I know enough, then I'll be happy. Mm, you know, I kind of feel that doing, way sometimes. I was doing education, <laughs> taking courses, right? I was yeah. interested mm. in lots of things. And I always felt like, wait, you know, when I finally knew enough, and then I got to a point where I knew a lot, and I wasn't any happier than when I knew nothing. In fact, I might have been happier when I knew less. Oh. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I was like, okay, okay, this is not working. <laughs> I think I need to look somewhere else. Yeah, and eventually somebody said, you know, the peace that you're looking for, especially when you know when you're under when you're under stress, the peace you're searching for is within you. I can show you how to connect to it. 
And I didn't think so. I was born during the Second World War, so I didn't think he could he could show. And he's a, he was fourteen. I was thirty at that at the time. What's a kid gonna teach me? I've been around, you know, like a little arrogant. And I thought, well, I'll check I'll check it out because I am interested in peace. And if he if he can show me, then I'll that'll be nice. And if he can't show me, I'll just keep looking. And so it was all very iffy. And I thought peace has to be more complicated than going to the moon because we've made it to the moon in the 60s, right? It was in 1967 or 68 or, you know, went to moon. Oh my God, we made it to the moon. It was really complicated, really complicated. All those gadgets they had to build and all those things so that they could breathe up there when there's no air up there and how to deal with no gravity and all of everything, right? So it was really, really complicated. And we hadn't made it to peace yet. So I figured peace must be more complicated than going to the moon. <laughs> but the truth is it's really simple. Really, 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 really simple. It's so simple that we can't grasp it with our mind because our mind is always in twos. And peace is never in twos. Peace is one. So who was so this 14-year-old? Who was it? Yeah. Oh, his, his name is Prem Rawat. He started when he was eight. We grew up, his father was, was a master of this, of this journey, right? So he was around it very early. And I was born in a war. There was nobody teaching that kind of stuff during the war. <laughs> so, so I, you know, so he, he kind of lent me his childhood, you might say. Oh. You know? Yeah, he, he had something that he learned because he was exposed to it. And then he gave it gave it to me as a gift. What a nice gift. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Transformed my life. And, you know, in, in the Western world, like in Europe, nobody talked about meditation. Nobody talked to me. You know, they did prayer and, and, and church and they, you know, they memorized their scriptures and stuff. But in terms of actually feeling alive wasn't even a topic mm -mm. they did philosophy in their heads but sometimes that got really crazy too mm, yeah but just, just just simple just like okay i i feel good sitting on my chair you know everything's okay that was not like nobody did that nobody did that of course that's also why they ended up in a war they didn't practice peace so they ended up with war that's how it goes if you don't cultivate peace and you don't cultivate cooperation and harmony and 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 uh you know support for each other when you can then you're always going to be drifting into something worse and worse and worse mm. and you can see the world doing it now i know you know discontent leads to or disconnection leads to discontent leads to destructive and it will not and and all of the things that need to change will change when something in us changes because we created all of the messes out of ourselves, out of, out of being discontent. If we change and reconnect to ourselves and become content, then we will create a world as an expression of contentment rather than as, a, as an expression of something missing, something wrong. Because this is because the world is 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 just 
That's our output. And our output comes from our state of being automatically. So people say, well, you know, we got to fix the environment. We got to fix the oceans. Talk about the, the, the movie, right? We got to fix the oceans. Yeah, we're not going to fix the ocean we, until we fixed ourselves. Job one, come home. After that, everything becomes easy. And before that, it's pretty much impossible. Yeah. Slowly, slowly, we're slowly <laughs> recognizing, recognizing. I know. I hope it's not too late, but for some of these things, but well, it's we'll never see. too late. It's never too late to come home. No, I agree. Everyone listening for sure yeah. agrees. So it's worth thinking about though. Yeah. You know, can you be the same dick that you were when you created a problem? Can you be the same dick and fix the problem? No. I don't think so. No. Right? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. I think that's a good stopping point. <laughs> Pretty profound. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, do you have any, any announcements or anything that you're extra passionate about right now? Other than everything we just, Oh, about? you know what? I'm, I'm on the internet quite a bit. I'm on, I have a YouTube channel Oh, sweet. and I've, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram and, Great. I have two websites. One is called Udo's Choice, U-D-O-S Choice.com. That's where we talk about the products, uh, the oils, digestive enzymes, probiotics, stuff like that. Uh, and uh, I have another one that's called The Udo, T-H-E-U-D-O, or Udo Erasmus, and uh, uh, .com. And that's, uh, we've got some educational material and, and uh, some courses that we do. Awesome. That's... Yeah. And in, and in the meantime, most important, be present in your life and recognize how magnificent you are. Beautiful. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. Peace and Bye -bye. plants. What an absolute honor it was to interview Udo. That interview gave me even more motivation to share what I'm sharing, and actively work on getting still myself because it's always a journey. This whole health and wellness, just life in general is a journey, of course, as cliche as that is, but we're always growing and changing and evolving. And I personally am, am searching for that stillness, you know, and every day is different. So don't be too hard on yourself, obviously. I think that a lot of times people can steer away from the stillness because they're just convinced that they won't be able to do it. And I can totally, uh, totally empathize with that. And But the benefits that it has for us spiritually, physically, mentally, everything is is where it's at, you know? And I think that we're all searching, especially us Westerners and those in America are searching for something that we just cannot reach and we can't grasp. And we're never going to reach it with buying more things and buying more stuff. It is about getting still and going inward. And it's going to be uncomfortable, but nothing worth doing is easy. And where we see the most profound changes is in that discomfort. 
that is where true, true change can happen. So I hope you found that inspirational, gave you some motivation for your life. And uh, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you so much. And until next time, my lovely friend, peace and plants. Thank you.